0: Psalm 107, I'm going to read just a portion, it's a a more lengthy psalm, but we'll look at it all this morning in brevity, but uh, let let me begin reading God's inerrant word for us this morning. Follow along, cast your eyes upon God's word. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul Fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man, for He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things." May the Lord bless the reading. May we be reminded, as we've heard it read, that his word endures forever. That remarkable thought, even in the heavenlies, God's word will resound because it's his word. I'm amazed sometimes, aren't you, about what people come to think of out of, I don't know how anyone could come to this position, but new heavens and new earth, we won't have the Bible. No, well, we may not have a literal physical Bible, but the word of God endures forever. The same God who spoke it in space and time won't change Keep that in mind. It'd be good to know it, wouldn't it? And recognize it in the new heavens and new earth. Well, with that said, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that indeed your word endures forever. And it's here for us day in and day out as we look to you to know your mind so that we might live a better life so that we might know you, the one true God and your son, the Lord Jesus Christ and that we might have everlasting life that we might be good counselors for those around us in need we might be good parents knowing how to raise our children up properly how wonderful this book, the Bible is we ask now that you would fill our hearts with it Just a little bit more during these coming few minutes. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, last week we considered Psalm 136. And we saw there that we are to give thanks to the Lord because of his steadfast love. Well, you see it again in this portion as well. But that's a resounding and recurring theme in Psalm 136. It's the refrain, in fact. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. His loving kindness endures forever. His faithfulness endures forever. We also saw last week that we're to, we're to thank the Lord for his creation. I was at the prison on Thursday evening and, and I just uh, rehearsed uh, Psalm 136 with them. And I said I said to them, I said, now I realize that here you are sitting in these confines and uh, you walk out these doors and we see nothing but uh, cinder block buildings and we see uh, wire fences and we see, we see that, that wire that's got the blades on it wrapping around everything and be easy for you to miss the beautiful creation that God has surrounded you with. For those of you who have been up to the prison you know that if there were not a prison sitting right there in that little, nestled in that little valley, there'd be million dollar homes built all over those hillsides. You understand that, don't you? Because it's the most beautiful place in East Tennessee. I said, so don't miss it. Don't let your focus be so narrow that you only see these buildings and that wire and those other people out there, some of whom would love to see you dead because of your faith. But look to the creation that God's put all around you and, and give thanks. And then third thing we saw last week was we give thanks for God's redemption. His deliverance. His salvation. His grace to sinners. All those things should be pretty easy, shouldn't they? I mean, his steadfast love pretty obvious the Christians with eyes that are that are that have lenses of the scripture put over them so they can see things properly and read things properly the steadfast love endures forever is a given and it just comes around and around and around his creation as I said last week I mean we live in an area where you have no excuse not to be thankful to the Lord for the beauty of creation and of course, is redemption. But we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world, and we are still sinful, even though, and if we are Christians. Right? We do believe that. That's the reason we do the corporate confession every every week to remind us of that as we come into the presence of God. We are, we are at the same time saint and sinner. It's the reason John pressed that issue in the first chapter of his first epistle so hard. If anyone says he's not, a, not, not hasn't sinned then he's a liar and the truth is not in him. So we have to reckon with our sin. And this chapter is a wonderful chapter about living a thankful life in the midst of sin in the presence of sin yes we believe that we've been redeemed that we've been saved from the penalty of sin there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus we also believe that we've been redeemed from the power of sin we're no longer under the dominion of sin paul says we're no longer slaves to sin but we're slaves to god We're under his headship, not that of sin. But we will not be delivered, redeemed from the presence of sin until that day when Christ returns and the new heavens and new earth come into place. So until that day, we live in the context of sin. And this chapter tells us that in vivid language. And it begins, as you see, with, oh, give thanks to the Lord. And it ends with a call to wisdom. You know, the Psalms are one of the the wisdom books of the Bible. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let him consider the steadfast love of the Lord. That's what the whole chapter is about, the steadfast love of the Lord, in the context of sin, in the context of a sinful world. It begins with give thanks, and then it says, in essence, the man who gives thanks in the midst of all that's going on around him in this world is a wise man, is a wise woman, is a wise boy or girl. Well, let's look at it. Three points. First, thanksgiving demands recognizing his efforts for us. That's what he begins with. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. Uh, Scholarship um, is almost unanimous on this, that Psalm 107, even though it's the beginning of a final book, book five as you see uh, noted in your English Bibles probably, uh, it is the climax of chapters 105 and 106. It's, it's the final chapter, if you will, in a little three-chapter set. 105, God is faithful. God will care for his people. Psalm 106, you're going to live like sinners. You're going to fall into sin. In fact, you're going to become so sinful, you're going to forget me so well that I'm going to send you into exile. And then 107 is about God delivering them from exile, delivering them from their sin, delivering them from the presence of sin, from this wicked world, drawing them from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, redeeming them. And keep in mind, as I said last week, when we read the words redeemed, delivered, saved, all those words are synonymous but they have they, they they have great pregnant meanings it's not just our souls are saved but as we saw last week 136 we see this week it has to do with God providing for our our, our physical needs as well our daily sustenance that's part of his redeeming work for us remarkable to think about isn't it That's the reason we're told in the scriptures, when we sit down to eat, when we rise up to go, when we sit down again to rest, when we go to bed, we're to thank the Lord. We're to acknowledge the Lord for all of these good things. We got a new mattress a couple of years ago. I didn't realize how bad my old one was. And I was so much more thankful when I would lie down and when I would rise up. And my, my pillow, I now have a My Pillow 2.0. I didn't know a pillow could be so, such a good friend. But the psalmist is here saying, but even when things aren't all that good, we're to give thanks because God is in the process of redeeming us. In a few weeks I'll be uh, doing the adult Sunday school class on the Song of Songs. And I'll go ahead and give you a preview. I take the position that the Song of Songs is to be read redemptively historically. That it's, uh, it's, a, it's a story about Solomon and, and his bride. We shouldn't just spiritualize it away. Uh, but it is to be understood in a redemptive, historical manner. This is about Christ redeeming an aspect, one of the creation ordinances, and that is marriage. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God's in the process of re- not, See, we often talk about having been redeemed, past tense. Being saved, past tense. Being delivered past tense. But we ought not to because the Bible doesn't. It talks about it in the present tense. It's something that God is doing for us. Now it doesn't mean it's susceptible to loss. You can't lose your salvation. But it means that God is always engaged with us. His steadfast love endures forever. It doesn't just have a point of origin and then ellipses, and an end. It's all this space in between. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble gathered in from the lands. That's the first thing. We're thankful for all of his efforts for us and that means we have to recognize them. We have to pay attention. If I didn't pay attention to the pillow, I wouldn't be thankful for it. If I didn't pay attention to the nice cotton sheets my wife picks out. And I am more thankful for them when I get home after traveling and staying in hotels, even nice hotels, and I come off those sheets onto my sheets, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. I thanked him last night for those polyester things, but I really thanked him for the cotton things. Our thankfulness, we have to be conscious. And I wanna press this, most of us walk around unconscious. We don't pay attention. And is it any wonder when we don't pay attention that we're not as thankful as we ought to be? So pay attention. Some of you have traveled miles over the past few days. I hope that upon every leg of that trip, you thanked the Lord for the safety that he provided. Because it's not given. As I prayed in the pastoral prayer, Daniel Nelson, wherever he is, I saw him earlier, Daniel Nelson's parents, their RV traveling down the interstate, Certainly, like most of us, at a rate a little too fast, wanting to get somewhere, tire blew out, they crash. RVs demolished, they have some bruises and a broken bone. I don't know of any of you that experienced that this week. They're thankful for their preserve, the preserving mercy of God. We should be thankful that we didn't have to go through that. That we were preserved without an accident. Because we don't deserve it. And so right off the bat, they began recognizing that the Lord has redeemed them from trouble. Second thing and this is the larger section of this chapter, is that Thanksgiving includes a rehearsal of his efforts for us. A rehearsal of those efforts. And that's exactly what begins here. Uh, Derek Kidner, in his fine commentary on the Psalms, says that there are four, four human predicaments that are spelled out in this chapter and each of those ends with let them thank the lord so let's just look at those real quickly the first is wandering in desert wastes verse four some wandered in desert waste finding no way to a city to dwell in hungry and thirsty their soul fainted within them Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. That's the first predicament of man is we live in a wasteland. One of the things that our forefathers have said about the church is that we're pilgrims. We're on a pilgrimage. This is not our home. Now it will be one day, in the new heaven is the new earth, because it's all gonna be transformed. But our home is a heavenly citizenship, right? Is that not what Paul tells us? And so in the meantime, we're just plodding along here that doesn't mean that we have to oh woe is me because we have Christ we have the holy spirit we have all we need for this life but that doesn't take away the difficulties that doesn't mean that it's not a wasteland the reason we have to fight insects with our crops right it's a wasteland the effects of sin But he delivers us in the midst of that. Notice here, and this is both spiritually to be taken and physically to be taken, no doubt. We'll see this again in a moment. But the first, they were hungry and they were thirsty. But then notice how he describes it, their souls fainted within them. There's that whole body and soul relationship. If our souls are sick, it's no wonder we sometimes have physical problems our bodies are sick no wonder we we struggle in our souls but God delivers them and the response to that deliverance the response to them being, being put on a straight way reaching the place where they needed to be and wanted to be let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love then he moves on verse 10 some sat in darkness and in shadow of death prisoners in affliction and in irons why because they rebelled against the words of God Do you understand? When we rebel against the words of God, in other words, God's holy word, what God has said to us, and where do we find what God says to us? In the Bible. When we rebel against that, in other words, when we disobey it, do you notice? The result is darkness, shadow of death, prison, affliction, Why? Because they rebelled against the word. They spurned the counsel of the Most High. And so he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. You say, what? (sighs) That sounds bad. Yeah, it's very bad. But notice what God did. He turned their hearts to him. They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. That's the language of the Bible for sin. Sin puts us in bondage. But God's the one who burst the bonds apart. And what's our response supposed to be? From God taking us out of our spiritual darkness, taking us out of our imprisonment, taking us out of our rebellious we're to thank the Lord for delivering us. And we've all fallen into this, haven't we? Don't raise your hands that everybody rebelled against God's word this past week. As easy as eating too much. You say, what's God got to say? He says that eating too much is an abominable offense against him. That's what he calls a gluttony, an abomination. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, it was just that last biscuit, that last roll that, nope, don't need it, shouldn't have it and then we don't even think that we just rebelled against God. See how easy it is to sin and not think about it? But the wonderful thing is that God will deliver us from that. He will forgive us from that. Now he moves on. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. We see this going on, don't we, in our culture. Probably nothing more obvious than sexual sins outside of marriage and the kind of diseases and such that are transmitted. You go to your doctor and one of the things they ask, have you ever been exposed to any STDs? sorry to be blunt about this folks but we need to think about this because we live in this kind of world and we don't we don't think about oh so that affliction that disease that problem was caused by sin yeah by sin so he says some were fools notice how he's you know Sometimes the Bible says things that your parents tell you you're not supposed to say and it kind of puts you at odds. You know, My mama and daddy always said don't call anybody a fool. They had a Bible verse in the New Testament that they misused. Did you notice? Right there, some were fools through their sinful ways. That's what you are. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. We all are fools according to God when we act sinfully, when we depart from his ways. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They became so sick they didn't even want to smell food or see it. You ever ever been that sick? Maybe not because of sin, other than the, you know, or, or original sin. You been like that? The flu. Maybe some of you had COVID to that extent, and you just, oh no, or maybe you had food poisoning, and you can pinpoint where, what you ate, and what it was, and you don't want that ever again. I went. 14 years without eating Mexican food after a case of food poisoning, I still don't just say, hey, let's go have Mexican. I'll eat it if you ask me to meet you there. But for those first 10 years, it was loathsome. And I would tell people, they'd say, hey, where you want to eat? I'd say, anywhere but Mexican. Nothing gets Hispanics, just the food. It was loathsome to me because of my affliction. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Notice again, they had rebelled against His words back up there. Verse 20, He sent out His word and healed them. What's the remedy for our sin, y'all? Well, it's ultimately Jesus, right? But where do we know about Jesus? Where do we find Christ? In the word. What's the last thing when you're in, in the midst of your sin, what's the last thing generally you want to do? Read God's word. When you're in sin, what's, what's one of the last things you want to last places you want to be in God's in God's church. And those two things are exactly what you need. That's where you're gonna find relief. That's where he's gonna deliver you from distress is through his word and particularly through his word in the midst of his people. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And what's their response? Verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs and of joy. Notice here, we not only are to offer vocal thanks to the Lord, but we're to do things that are thankful. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. That shows genuine repentance. Genuine repentance is not just, oh, I'm sorry, wish I hadn't done that, feel really bad about that. It's all of that, but it's more, isn't it? We call it the fruit of repentance. In other words, it's not just acknowledging it, but it's turning away from it. And when you turn away from whatever that sin is, what where are you going to turn to? If you don't turn anywhere else, you're going to just stay in it. But you turn to the righteous things, the holy things, the things God said to do. You're putting off the old and you're putting on the new. As Paul tells us in Ephesians and Colossians. And so here, not only let them thank the Lord, but also let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people just got sick and tired of you saying how thankful you are for them and how thankful you are for the creation, how thankful you are for your Savior? And I mean thankful not because you're obnoxious about it, but because you're just so effusive about it. I'm not talking about being a walking musical. you know. Songs of joy. Going to sing, thank the Lord. You know, you, no, just, but it ought to be coming out of us with that kind of joy. He goes on, let them offer sacrifices. Now, he goes in verse 23, some went down to the sea in ships and they were reeling and staggering, verse 27 says, like drunken men. I used this illustration 12 years ago when I preached this passage and it's a good one. I saw one just this past week driving on the highway. Somehow a a a grocery bag or a trash, you know, those little plastic bags that people put groceries in now and it had gotten out of out of a truck, out of a car and it was just being blown just willy-nilly all over the interstate all around. That's the image here. And that's how he's describing these people who in their, in their business, doing business on the great waters, God commanded and raised the stormy wind. They mounted up to the heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted in their evil plight. In other words, just the littleness. That's the point is realizing how little and inept we are. You ever just think about that? How small you are? How small I am? I'm not talking about stature. I'm talking about just, Oh. it's particularly true, isn't it? When you're looking at the mountains, maybe you're at the ocean, you go down the beach, and you just look, and it just goes on and on and on, and you realize you're just, the Bible describes us as little ants. Because we're so teeny tiny. We really are. And yet, he made the storm to be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. You remember the episode with Jesus? They're out there rocking on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus just gets, gets up Stop it. And the sea went quiet. He threw the sea out there for Jonah, and then he quietened it. He does that in our lives. And our response is to be thankful. So this week, when things get a little rocky, you realize how small you are and how out of control things are outside of you. You can't control, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love is forever. He didn't leave in the midst of the storm. He didn't leave in the midst of this business uh, uh, that you've got going and not sure what to do. He, he didn't leave when we rebelled against him. His steadfast love endures forever. He turns the river into a desert, fruitful land into salty waste. He turns a desert into pools of water. And he just keeps going with this. He raises up the needy out of affliction. He makes their families like flocks. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. There again, see, pay attention. Again, if you find yourself not able to give thanks, it's probably because you're not paying attention to what God's doing all around you. So, this should keep us thankful, shouldn't it? Steadfast love, creation, redemption, and all of that, even in the midst of this sinful world. Not just on the good days. And Paul didn't say that, did he? Give thanks for everything. In every situation. It's not easy. That's why we have to lean back upon the Lord. Lean upon the Holy Spirit. Call upon the Spirit to give us what we need to be thankful. To even put the words in our mouths sometimes. Give thanks to the Lord free is good whoever is wise what will he say attend these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord amen thank you Lord for your word we ask you to to do this great work in us to make us to be more thankful people even in the midst of all the sin around us We love you and we pray that you do this for us in Christ Jesus. Amen.